0: Welcome to the Holy City Church Podcast Station. This is Pastor Angel. If you missed Sunday's sermon or want to listen to it again, you're in the right place. We're glad that you can take the time to catch up as we go through God's Word together. I hope you're ready, but if you're not, grab your Bible let's get ready for what God has in store for us today. you're here, join me in 1 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to read through verses 1, 1 through 11. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 to 11. And he says, now the Spirit explicitly says that in later times, Some will depart from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and the teachings of demons through the hypocrisy of liars whose conscience are seared. They forbid marriage and demand abstinence from food that God created to be received with gratitude by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, since it is sanctified by the word of God and by prayer. If you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you will be good you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, nourished by the words of the faith and the good teaching that you have followed. But have nothing to do with pointless and silly myths, rather train yourself in godliness, for the training of the body has limited benefit, but godliness is beneficial in every way since it holds promise for the present life, and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserves full acceptance. For this reason, we labor and strive because we have put our hopes in the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Father in heaven, Lord, thank you for your word. Father, thank you because you've preserved your word, not only for it to be sanctified in our life, so, so we can sanctify our life, but, Father, so we can know you more and get closer to you, Father. Lord, we ask that your words may change our hearts, Father, not my words, but your words. And the words that I speak may be directly from you and not from me, Father. In your name we pray. Amen. There's a basketball player by the name of Mike Price. Uh, he, was, he was an all-star pro basketball player who played from 1986 to 1997 for about three different NBA teams. Uh, he was known for his incredible playing skills, but also because he was able to compete professionally even though he wasn't, he wasn't very tall. Mark Price was just about six feet tall And we know that most basketball players are known for their height, for being very tall. But even then, he played well against other giants in the sport. There's a story that talks about him once being in a group of men and boys at a church gathering. He was asked how someone his size had become so exceptional in basketball and was able to compete and succeed. Mark reflected and spoke about the many Friday nights, he was alone in the gym shooting long-range and free-throw shots while everyone else was out on a date or hanging out with their friends. He spoke about the hard work with his father, shooting and correcting, dribbling and passing, and doing all these drills over and over and over again. All that hard work paid off, and in high school, he became an All-State. At Georgia Tech, he was All-Conference and ultimately was signed by the pros. So what this man was able to offer these teams which what he was good at his ability his skills all that required a lot of conditioning training dedication and discipline When it comes to our spiritual strength our spiritual growth our maturity we can apply the same concept it requires conditioning training dedication Discipline among many other things, and not many believers put too much thought into disciplining their spirit and they become satisfied with just the basics, or maybe just watching on the sideline as others, believers, live for Christ. But we overlook the fact that if physical discipline, if physical discipline has value, how much more value does spiritual discipline benefit us? And in this chapter, Paul brings up the value of living a life of godliness and discipline. But to understand what Paul is trying to bring, to understand the point that Paul is trying to bring forth, we have to first look at the warning that Paul is going to give him. He's going to set forth a warning at the beginning of this chapter and he's going to help us understand why it's important that we train ourselves in discipline and in godliness. Starts with verse 1 where he says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith. So Paul starts by identifying something that is going to happen in the time that they're living and in the time that's going to come. Because when Paul refers to as later times, he's talking about one specific long time period. He's referring to all time periods that are coming from that moment that he's teaching till the day Christ comes back. Paul is describing a broad area, a broad era, not a couple of years. Paul's not talking about just their time. Paul's not talking about the end of times. Paul's talking about all times. And we have proof of that. When we look throughout history, you see how many people who have once believed in God, once had trusted or or put their faith in God, have left that faith. This is what we call apostasy. This is when someone departs from the faith by abandoning the essential teachings of Christianity. And of course, this can look many different ways. A person can leave the faith altogether by leaving the church and also not believing in God, period. We call these atheists. Those who don't believe in God exists, Those who don't believe anything that has to do with God. Don't believe in the church. Don't believe in creation. Don't believe in anything. That's a way that signals someone who has entered uh, apostasy. Another way is a person can also remain in the church but believing something that is not truth of scripture. These are people who come to a church who are preaching false scriptures, false words, false teachings, but yet they stay there because that's exactly what they want to hear. Apostasy can also be seen when a preacher Or leader decides not to preach the Word of God, but rather preach something that has nothing to do with Scripture. So it kind of works both ways, right? Apostasy is those who want to listen to those false teachings, but also those who are teaching false teachings. A June 1997 article of the U.S. News and World Report describes a Virginia pastor who would rather preach on bosnia justice world peace other than the bible stories and personal salvation and this is an example of a man who departed from the faith and follows his own direction you say well he probably believes in god right that he calls himself a pastor but if you're not preaching the word of god you're preaching your own ideas you're not preaching the word you're preaching your own thoughts therefore you have strayed away from the faith. So overall apostasy is when someone who had once a belief in the truth and in only the word of God, now they fled, they have withdrawn themselves from the truth. So the question is, why do they leave? Why do these people leave? There are many reasons to why. But it always boils down to the sin and rejection of God. That's why they leave. They leave the faith because they're sin for people. Because they reject God. And that is always the root of all the cause of them leaving the faith. But Paul mentions one specific reason. And that is the second half of the first verse. And second verse it says, By devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose conscience." Are seer. So one way people are leaving the faith is because they have dedicated themselves to false teaching through false teachers. They are following those who are falsely teaching, they're being led by those who are falsely teaching, and they are false teachers. Paul at the beginning of the letter, chapter one, warned them about false teachers, and we continue to see why he needs to continue to warn them about false teachers because there are people who have not done the work to understand the truth of the Scripture. And these teachers are teaching legalistics and false doctrines that are leading them to believe in a false gospel and in a false faith. The people haven't done their work They haven't read the Bible. They haven't studied. They haven't been praying. They haven't been doing what they need to do. So then we got these false teachers coming and teaching whatever they want. And of course, these guys are believing and they're following. Paul specifically mentioned that they are devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. And this is not to say that what's happening here is outright demonic or Satan worship or maybe drug-led theologies and craziness, right? Those kinds of false teachings are really easy to spot. You could discern really easy those false doctrines or those false teachings. But we have to remember that Satan is a deceiver. And he uses all the ways to sneak in lies and ideas that are anti-God. We have many examples of that in our time. Where preachers are saying a lot, and it all sounds good, it sounds beautiful. And it all sounds biblical. But when you put a whole message together and you see everything that's happening, everything, you really see nothing. There's nothing there. They add just enough to, to their sermon from the Bible so you make you think that they're biblically teaching And they make you think they're teaching the truth so you can listen. But in reality, they're not. They're just pushing nothing but lies. And to make matters worse, they come as if they were being led by the Spirit. In reality, they're not really guided by the Spirit. Paul makes the same warning in Romans chapter 16, verse 18, where he says, For such persons... Do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. Do you see what's happening here? They're coming with nice, smooth, intellectual sounding words, and they sound like they come from an authoritative person with authority from God. But that's all it is smooth talk. That's all it is. And those people who don't want to know any better, those people who don't want to learn, they just fall for it. They're like, that sounds good. I don't need to worry about what he's saying because it sounds good. So therefore, if it sounds good, it must be true. So yeah, I believe it. Without going back and actually reading it and study it from themselves. These people that are teaching these things, they sound like they're coming with substance. Sounds like they're on the right path. But whatever they teach, whatever they're saying, don't actually mean anything. And Paul gives them two examples of this false doctrine and teaching that we can see in verse 3. It says, Who forbid marriage and requires abstinence from food that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. They're teaching that they should abstain from what God has made holy and what God has blessed. He's, they're saying, you don't know, stay away from that. You must stay away from that. This is the true meaning of legalism. They're leading the people in a path of effort, removing grace and the work of Jesus, only ending up with godless theology and godless understanding. I'm not saying there's something wrong with being single or being on a diet. But we can't twist the words of God to make it seem like that is a requirement to gain God's approval. You must abstain from marriage. You must abstain from, from certain food. You must do that in order to, for you to be okay with God. So then, that we have that now, that we have that understanding of what's happening, so how do we avoid being led astray? How can they avoid? How what is Paul telling them? What must you do to avoid being led astray, as believers? First thing that they must do is they make the truth known to your brothers. Look at verse 6. If you put things if you put these things before your the brothers, you will be a good servant of Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of good doctrine that you have followed. And Paul was direct he was directing his words to Timothy and the leaders but these words are not only for those selected few this is for everyone who's a believer everyone who's in the church because the church cannot afford to let people live a life based on false doctrine it is our responsibility Remember, I mentioned this in the last chapter. We are all responsible for the truth. We are the church. We are the foundation. We are the structure of the truth. Therefore, we are all responsible for teaching and making sure the truth is being taught. And we cannot allow compromising doctrines and wrong ideas coming to the church. Remember, one small little bit of leaven is going to affect the whole batch must guard the truth of the faith. And they must let those who are in the church know of the truth. And in doing so, Paul says that they will be a good servant of Christ. See, we admire and appreciate those who speak nice and sound intelligent. We, We love to hear that. It makes us feel all good inside, right? But a good minister... Is one who teaches and nourishes us with the essential truth. That's who we should be admiring. That's who we should be listening to. That's who we should be going for. The truth. Those who teach the truth. Not just those who preach all or speak all very nicely and very uh, motivational. No, not those. Those who are speaking the truth. This goes for everyone, even the ones doing the teachings. Those who are teaching are also responsible for allowing those who have been used by God to teach them, to guide them, to nourish them with the truth. So it's both ways. It's those who are teaching should be nourished by those who are teaching. And those who are listening should be nourished by those who are teaching the truth. So it's for everyone. Second thing they must do is train themselves in godliness. Verse 7 Have nothing to do with irrelevant, silly myth. Rather, train yourself in godliness. Train yourself for godliness. And understand this is a commandment for every person to be responsible for their own growth and their own maturity. This is a command to disciple and discipline yourself. Because no one can live a God-pleasing life, and no one can keep guard of the life of others if they themselves are living in no discipline, with no discipline. If you're living with no discipline, it is impossible for you to help somebody else not stray away from the truth. It is impossible to live a life in the truth if you yourself are not being disciplined. We have to know that when Paul here refers to discipline uh, or in some versions it says train right train yourself or discipline yourself is what we refer to as going to the gym but even more this discipline here that he's referring to is, is going to the gym to exercise and doing whatever it takes to get rid of whatever or anything that's preventing you that's holding you back from giving it your full as you're training in the gym. It's almost like if it was a requirement to strip down completely naked and then go exercise. And actually back then, they would kind of do just that. When they would go train, they would remove anything off their body that would prevent them from being able to fully take part of that training. Anything that would hold them back. That's why nowadays we, when we go to where we're supposed to at least when we go train right we wear clothes that is not loose Uh, we're not going to go naked because we're not allowed to but you know we wear those tighter clothes because that way everything's not loose you don't get tangled with something you can move we wear the short shorts the 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 racers you see when they raise on the race they're not wearing long pants baggy pants sweatpants right they're wearing appropriate clothes because they're removing anything that's going to prevent them from being able to do what they're doing And that is what Paul is telling them. Take everyone and everything out that's preventing you from putting in the work and the sweat and submit yourself to spiritual discipline. And Paul is talking, and he's saying this in future tense, so, which means that all those who are there, all those who are going to come after, who are in Christ, should always train themselves no matter what age they are. He's not talking about, oh, only into a certain year. Okay, now you're 60 years old. You're retired. Therefore, you're retired from learning. So therefore, don't worry about it. You don't need to study the Bible or pray or anything. You're retired from working. You're retired from God, right? No, no matter what age, from the smallest to the oldest, always train yourself. And training yourself as some of you may already know, requires a lot of discipline. Athletes do this because it leads them towards greater goals of fitness. They do this because what? They're after a goal. What is it? I want to be bigger and stronger. So therefore, I go to the gym every single day from this time to this time, and I work out that time, and nothing else is going to prevent me from doing that, right? But we do it for the purpose of godliness. This is our higher goal, and it's not so we can be saved, but because we are saved, then we strive for godliness. This training and this godliness is not just an outward action; it's, it starts from within, inside. This is where we, this is where fear, trembling, honoring, and respecting God plays an important role. Because if we don't fear God, if we have yet been changed by God, then everything we do is pretty much in vain. And God is saying through prayer, through fasting, through studying, and other types of discipline, we develop and maintain a deep devotion to God. We need to get this involved in our life because this is how we get closer to God. This is what God uses to change who we are. And there's virtue in this. Look at verse 8. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value, to e- of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. So we know the body discipline is good for the body, right? But spiritual discipline goes more than just the body. Physical training is limited to just that to the physical. It doesn't go any further than that. We train our bodies, we see the, res- the results now, physically, here, and then, and that's it. You're going to feel stronger, you're going to feel healthier, you're going to feel more energetic, but that is as far as it's going to get. There's nothing else after this. You're going to feel good now, but that's it. On the other hand, godliness penetrates all aspects of life. It's going to penetrate how we see ourselves, how we see our marriage, how we see our family, how we do business, how we take care of responsibilities in the civil, in the in the, in the our our community, or in our country, our relationship with our neighbors. It's going to affect all of that too. It also allows us to have hope and peace that lasts for an eternity. As we enter heaven, it has a higher profit unlike the limitations that the body discipline has. It also allows us to build a relationship with God that prepares us for what comes next. So godliness is for now and eternity for all things. And the point he wants to drive is that discipline is that a disciplined spiritual life has promises for the life and for the one to come. Even Jesus said it himself, right? Mark chapter 8 verse 36. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? Look, you can exercise and eat healthy every single day of your life. And you're going to feel good about it. You're going to feel healthy. You're going to feel energetic. You're going to feel good. You might be running a marathon and you're going to train for it and you're going to do so well in it because you train and you put all that work in it. But let me tell you, none of that training is ever going to prevent death. That is what we all have in common. No matter how much exercise you do, how much vitamins you take, we all have a destiny, and it's death. That's why physical training is limited. But your spiritual growth and maturity is a sign of the work that God has done in your life. Therefore, you know that you're going to live forever. But we can't forget that all this is grounded on the word of of the living Christ, that's what Paul goes on to say in verse uh, in verse ten, and a little bit of verse nine. He says the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, for this is for to for sorry for to this end we toil and strive, because we have our hopes set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. The apostles had a purpose for the work. They had a reason behind all the pain that they had to withstand. They did this because of the importance of the gospel. They knew that it meant more than anything. They knew the word of God is what would change the lives of many. They knew and they fought for everyone to know the truth so they could live a life that's pleasing to God. And since Christ is the only way to be saved, it was important that they knew the truth. And finally, the third thing that we must do, or they must do, is command and teach these things. That's verse 11, clearly. Command and teach these things no matter how young they were or how old they were, they needed to teach and command them to live the truth and to teach the truth. Knowing the truth will keep them from straying and leaving what they once knew to be true. They needed to teach others about the saving king. Because grace is not a side issue. And legalism is not not something that's small. Legalism corrupts. Grace is what saves. Rules never saved anyone. Grace does. And it's important that we all have that understanding and we all teach and command these things. Now I want to go back one verse to verse 9. Because Paul says something very important I think we should uh, take with us today. In verse 9, Paul says, This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. And Paul has used these words and this phrase and this statement many times. It means that that it's something that's familiar, something that is common, is a common statement that actually has meaning and of extreme importance. What he's saying is very important. And we should take it as it is. As important as it is. And Paul through this chapter uses the idea of an athlete. Right? Many times he's, 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 his whole chapter has that idea of an athlete training. And we know that a a world-class athlete would discipline themselves to win. They will do whatever it takes to accomplish and make it to the finish line. No one just shows up to a race. And those who do are foolishly thinking that they're going to finish and they're going to win. Because without training, there is no winning. A, a, an athlete needs to train. They need to submit to training. And we too have a race to run. Look at Hebrews 12, chapter 1. Therefore, since we are, sur- we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witness, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that is so entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. We have to submit ourselves to the training from the day that you convert to the day that you die. Putting everything that doesn't matter to the side and setting a focus on Christ. We have to recognize that this is a command from God. And this is a command for all those who believe in His saving grace. Through the work of Jesus on the cross. At the same time, also knowing that no one is going to force you to go seek and discipline. No one's going to force you. That's your job. You need to seek that. This means that you can't be a couch potato and all you do is eat junk food that comes from the world. You can't just sit there and just take on the garbage that the world's feeding you without doing anything about it. You have to stop. You yourself have to stop eating and feeding yourself that junk food that's coming from the world. And we all have to make a conscious choice to read, to pray, to study, to gather, to serve. previous chapter if you remember paul wanted us to pray for the world and one of the reasons why so we can live a life in godliness which means that all of us should have a goal to be more like god to be more godly and if we expect to stay faithful it's going to require us to exercise our spiritual muscles and take action we need to put that to use So we may have some work to do if we haven't already started. But we need to start by asking God to put you in a place of spiritual where spiritually where you have a desire to work out. You need to ask God, you need to ask God, put me in that situation where I'm going to desire more of you. Whether it's at work, whether it's in private, whether it's in the church, or where it is at home, or wherever it is. God, put me in that place. If I'm at work, put me in a situation where I'm going to require more of you, where I'm going to seek you more. If I'm at home, do whatever, I need, do whatever it needs to take for you to put me in that situation where I'm going to seek more of you. Second thing we need to do, we need to strip all of our access baggage. Everything that is holding you back, get rid of it. Third thing is be under a good trainer, a good pastor, a good teacher, a good elder, an older woman, an older man. Someone who is going to challenge you. Someone who is going to rebuke you. Someone who is going to teach you, disciple you. In the truth. Fourth thing we need to do is we need to be consistent. Right? Don't you work out almost every day of the week, not just once a month? You do it often, right? That's what you need to do. You need to study. You need to read. You need to seek out God all the time. The thing we need to do is push yourself to the limit. Too many want to know the little bit they can do. They just, I just want to know enough. I just want to do enough to get ahead. That's it. I I just want to make even if it's just the gate. I just want to get in there just the gate of heaven. That's all. But that's not going to get you anywhere. Now understand this is not legalism. Okay? This is what we are commended as born again already. You can try to do this all you want. But if God has not changed your heart, if God has not changed who you are, all this is vain. That's where it starts. But God, changing who you are. And then we, because who he is, because of what he's done, he says, if you love me, you follow my commandments. So we do just that. We follow his, commandment, his commandments. But be encouraged because this race that you're going to run, this race that you're already running, you're not going to run and you're not running on your own. Actually, we can't even run the race without Christ. Even if we try, we're not going to succeed if it's not for Christ. God will be right there by your side as you run this race. God will be there. And if you notice, you don't even have to win the race because you're not running against anyone. This is not a race of who makes it first. You just got to finish you just got to make it to the finish line. This is about coming in first or second or third. This is about finishing the race. You have to endure because all the saving work was already accomplished by Christ. You just got to endure. So ask yourself this. Where are you today? before you take that field, before you go on that field that we call life, are you ready? Are you training yourself? Are you disciplining yourself? Church, pray with me. Father in heaven, Lord, thank you With His word, Father. Thank you because we are encouraged that you have already done all the hard work You have already saved us even when we don't deserve it. That work on the cross, a substitution you did for us, Father. You substituted yourself in our place. That is all complete, Father. Father, Now I pray that if you have yet to change our desires, if you had yet to change our hearts and make us new, Father, we pray that you first do that, Father. once you have, or if you have already done that, Father, we pray that you give us that desire to, Father, to, to seek after you. Whether it's in prayer, whether it's studying, whether it's reading, whether it's gathering with our brothers and sisters. Give us that desire. Give us that desire to put all the effort into working out our salvation. That we do so in fear and trembling. Father, thank you. Pray that you allow us to, to preach this and to teach those and to let those around us know that you are the one who saves us. And only through you, Father, can we find salvation. Give us wisdom, strength, and knowledge. In your name we pray. Amen church you may be greedy there are some uh if you want to stay hope you enjoy this week's sermon if you have any questions would like to connect or listen to our library sermons jump right over to our website at www.holycitychurch.us again we want to thank you for listening and remember this podcast is not intended to replace your time at the church So we hope you have a blessed week and talk to you again next week on Catch Up with Holy City Church.